Yeah, I'd like to introduce myself. <laughs> three, three months ago, I got on an airplane and flew off somewhere around the world and decided finally I need to come back home. And Polly came with me, right? <laughs> We're both back home. Hey, let's raise a hallelujah, people. Let's raise a hallelujah. Man, uh, I like this uh, series Dave's doing. Praise. Praise can get you out of any trouble, any place you've been. Sickness, heartache, lack. Praise is a weapon. It is a weapon. And I think sometimes we discount its value in the gravity of a praise. Um, When I start to pray... I pray the word. And the Bible says when we come in to his gates, we come in with thanksgiving. And when we come into his courts, we come into his courts with praise. God comes in. The anointing of God. Now, I might look, look, look a little wookie because these are reading glasses. But if I look out at you, you're all blurry. You understand? <laughs> so, whoa. Anyway. The anointing of God comes in on the wings of praise and worship. If you want to know when a service moves in the Lord or doesn't, and the presence is there, the door is open with praise and worship. And he starts to usher in things, usher in things. And as I, when, I, when I go to speak the night before, usually I'm up and down all night with things that keep coming into my spirit. And the Lord just says, we're vessels. We're vessels. And we come in here full of the world. Full of the world. So imagine a pitcher of water full to the top. We come in with arguments, uh, financial problems, job problems, kid problems, marriage problems, this, that. Everything's full, full, full. And then it's like... The worship is like a plunger, plunging into that vessel, driving out the world, driving out every negativity, every struggle, pushing it out and filling us. And you know, if something's filled, something else can't get in. So we have to take this opportunity, and I do it a lot at home, but when we come in on Sunday morning or whenever we're together, to let the world be shoved out, pushed out, and our vessel filled to we're overflowing with the presence of God in worship. In his presence is where prayers are answered and miracles are performed. I'm sure many of you have been in services. It's no preaching or anything. The Lord just moves and the work is done. Yes, there's laying on of hands. There's prayer. But when you're in the spirit, the spirit is working in a perfected way, not in man's way. We think sometimes, oh, I got to come up and I got to pray for him a certain way or say a certain thing over him. But when the spirit of God takes over in worship, all needs can be met. So don't resist the spirit. Don't resist the spirit in worship. And praise time. You know, sometimes I'm jumping, sometimes I'm dancing, not so much dancing lately, but 
but I'm a weeper too, but I weep happy and sad tears, but when you weep, it's a cleansing too. And sometimes a good cry under, under the power of God will do you more than a lot of things because it cleanses you out. It cleanses you and opens you back up. It releases all the pain, all the sorrow, all the anxiety, all the frustration. You just pour it out, God. Fill me back up. Fill me back up. Fill me back up. You know, God is good. All the time. And he appears in the worst moments of our life. The worst moments. Now, if this was a crowd of 10 years ago, I wouldn't probably say what I'm going to say today because all of you would pretty much have known my testimony, but so many of you are new. And um, When I was 11 years old, uh, my natural birth mother um, took a gun and committed suicide. And... I walked into the bedroom and found her that way. So there's been a trauma that's carried through my life, but the blood of Jesus has conquered that. I actually come from three generations of women that committed suicide. My mother, her mother, and my grandmother all committed suicide. And Satan, if he had had his way, would have set me up for the same thing. That's just the truth. But where my story starts, of course, in my recollection, spiritual story, was at my mother's funeral. It lasted eight days because we lived in Chicago. She was born in Indiana. Back then they had wakes, which put the body out a couple days. Then we took her to, to Indiana where she was born, put the body out a couple more days, then had a funeral. 11 years old, going through an eight-day funeral for your mother. And uh, the one thing I know, that God's been with me the whole time. His assignment has been with me the whole time. And as best as my little mind can recollect in my spirit, while we were in Indiana, very rural part of Indiana, tobacco growers, my grandfather grew tobacco on a farm, very back of the woods, and uh, laying in a bed in Indiana in my, in my mother's time of her funeral, I woke up in the middle of the night and I saw a little glowing figure kneeling at the edge, the, the foot of the bed. And to this day I'm 59 and nobody can't tell me that wasn't an angel that God had assigned to me. I don't think at 11 you can make it up. I couldn't have dreamed it. But I always know God's had his hand on me, no matter what. So, I'm going to start. I really could stand up here for a week. I know I could and continue to testify about all that God's done throughout my life. But I want to go back to one of the worst moments 25 years ago. I had been sick for a year and a half and felt like I was dying. I had no strength, couldn't get up for even 20 minutes, couldn't go to the store. Uh, I had about 15 symptoms, very serious symptoms of sickness. And I kept going to a doctor, and he just couldn't find, you know, what was, what was going on. 
the doctor had his own issues, and actually he was dying of AIDS, so he didn't really take good care of me. After a year and a half and 20-something prescriptions and all, I said, I'm going to a female doctor. <coughs> Maybe she'll listen better. They took an x-ray. They saw my whole right lung was full of stuff. Turned out to be cancer. <coughs> I might need that water. <clears throat> I was diagnosed at the age of... I was diagnosed at the age of 35 with stage 4 cancer. Oh, boy. <coughs> okay. At the age of 35, I was put in the hospital and was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. My whole right lung was full. It was through my whole body, abdomen, spine, bladder, kidneys. I had an enlarged heart and pneumonia. And I was very close to death. <laughs> um, but when you start to worship God in these troubled times, he begins to work like never before. Sometimes we think, oh, I'm so down. You know what? Sometimes in your worst time, other people are watching you also. And they will get a blessing watching you going through the hardest time of your life and still worshiping God. I was, uh, I was laying in the hospital. I was there for nine days at the age of 35. My husband and the kids had gone up to Georgia for a church camp that we had planned. And I said, go ahead. The doctor told me before my husband left, oh, we think it's just a virus. So two days after they leave, the doctor comes in and says, well, we found out you have stage four cancer. All my family and loved ones were 500 miles away. And it was just me and God. And I had a dream in the hospital. Pay attention because this, you know, this is details that I'll never forget and are very important. Um, I dream a lot. I've dreamed prophetic dreams. I've dreamed things that were going to happen in the future. God showed me so that I could pray and stop them. In this dream, in the hospital before I knew I had cancer, I dreamed of a red snake. A red snake. Six, eight foot long, as lo uh, like as long as you'd fit in a, a room, a bedroom. And in this dream, okay, because red is significant, that means enemy, that means attack. In this dream, the snake came at me. Huge head, like the size of a man's head. The snake came out, and I went to try to kill it, and it slithered away. Came out again. Went to try to kill it, slithered, slithered away. Came out for the third time, and I had, I guess, a spiritual hole, and I chopped its head off in my dream. Killed the snake. I woke up just, oh my goodness, what was this? Well, what the Lord showed me is Satan had come at the age of 35 because he could not get me to kill myself as my mother did at her age of 35. 
He could not get me to kill myself. He brought cancer, one. He brought an enlarged heart, two. And pneumonia, three. In my body, all at one time, to kill me. Off come his head. From that point, didn't matter what they told me. I said, I am not sick. I am recovering. I went through a year and a half of chemo. It was God awful. I mean, I had three little kids at home because my mother had passed when I was young. I begged God, please heal me so my kids aren't raised orphans. And he did. He did. But what I remember through all that, as sick as I was, as weak as I was at the beginning, and then I regained my strength. But as I went into the hospital every two weeks for a whole round of chemo that nurses wear these little plastic gloves. They couldn't do that. When you take the chemo that I took is so strong, they had to wear raincoats and thick rubber gloves because if it dripped on them, it would burn through their skin. This is what they're pouring into my body, jugs of it. I would go in there, and whatever you think about Christian TV, doesn't matter. And 25 years ago, it was a little bit different, but I would turn on the Christian TV show because I'd have to lay there all day to take all these cups of all this poison that was also killing the stuff, good and bad, in my body. And I would wake up. I'd be in and out because they give you Benadryl to help you, you know, rest and not itch. And just I'd be in and out sleep. But all I know is I, I'd wake up. I hear the word of God. I hear worship coming out of Channel 55, which was Channel 55 WACX TV. It got me through. It got me through. And uh, one thing the Lord spoke to me, um, because sickness or any kind of attack is a battle of your mind, but the Lord gave me many revelations during this time. One thing he said to me, when the victory was won in my mind, the healing would show up in my body. So I had to conquer what was in my mind first, the fear and whatever it was coming at me from the, just the word cancer itself. So I went along. <laughs> I wouldn't let anybody say she's sick. I rolled around the hospital like a Disney Cinderella princess. I hated that. They would take me everywhere in a wheelchair or on a bed. People were looking at you. I hate it. You get in an elevator. You're laying there. People are looking at you. I'm like, so I just sat up in that bed. I said, whatever. I'm not sick. I'm recovered. I'd wave like a Disney princess because the joy of the Lord was my strength even during that time. So I came home, and my husband will probably remember this day when you brought me home, and I laid down on that couch in our living room, right? I lifted my hands to the Lord to worship and praise him. Thankful. I knew God had me. I knew that dream, that I had no worries. He was going to carry me through. But when I raised my hands to the Lord and closed my eyes, all of a sudden, I saw this billows of incense. The Bible says our prayers go up as incense before our Father. Now, I didn't go get a bunch of scriptures like, you know, to read and post on the wall, but you can just imagine just billows just laying there. And I, I had lost 25 pounds in nine days. I had taken chemo. I, I was just as weak as a puppy. 
But when I got home, I wanted to worship God. I wanted to worship God. And he was there. And I saw it going up before him. The presence of God just came down in my worst moment. I came home. My future wasn't certain. I had an 11-, 9-, and 5-year-old child in my house. But my goodness, what praise can get us through? What praise can get us through? I'm sorry. And uh, Psalm 141, verse 2 says, May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. You know, the Bible says, I bring a sacrifice of praise. Okay? You know why? It's in our nature to be selfish. What can we do for God? Not much. But praise him. Right, Felicia? I mean, I can't send God an offering. I can't make him a sakatumi cake. If he's down here, he might like it, but... Uh, and anybody turn that down but God might say no I don't need that socket to me cake Cindy praise me praise me in the storm oh my gosh your song today the opening song praise the hallelujah in the words I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm it goes against everything we know Everything we know to sing in the middle of the storm. And you know, this is very important. I might need another Kleenexes. Satan is not omnipresent. God is omnipresent. God is always here. Satan is not. And you know what? If Satan could read your mind, he would defeat you every time. How could anybody get saved or you have a plan to do an outreach or pray for somebody or anything be done if Satan could read your mind and stop it, right? So we have to remember this. But Satan can read your actions. He can hear your words. So if you're in negativity, if you're in doubt, if you're in disbelief, if you're in fear and you're speaking it and you're acting on it, okay, but he is defeated. See, his purpose is to keep you there in your mind. But when you defeat those thoughts, he has lost. He has lost. Now, one thing the Lord gave me yesterday. Now, <laughs> I'm going to have to look it up because uh, I haven't done this in a while. <laughs> um, the place of miracles in God lies between the knowing and the seeing, okay? We know what God's word says, but we want to see it performed, right? So between when we know he can do it and when we see it done, that's in between is the faith. And this is where the praise has to fight. This is where the warrior has to fight in the praise because Satan is watching you. He's watching. He's not there all the time. He's sniffing around. He's seeing if you're down, defeated, and negative. What's coming out of your mouth? Life and death and the power of the tongue, right? There is. And so in praise, praise is perfection to God. You know, we, we, we kind of, it's, it's the place where we kind of leave our body almost. We, our spirit takes over in praise. So 
I have testimonies of every kind. And Dave, you might give me a hand up when I'm at 15 minutes because I don't know You're how. I am already? Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> oh, I, I just got started. You know, the mouth of the South, it just don't quit. <laughs> uh, I have testimonies of every kind, and um, I'll do this real quick then. Uh, healings, restorations, deliverance. I mean, I've seen, seen everything. Financial miracles. And I just want to say, last year, Pastor Scott and I were kind of like, we were, we're kind of like wish, uh, not sure what we should do with the church. We're kind of against the wall. The church finances were against the wall. We had taken on him refurbishing a house, and we cold stole ran out of money. Cold stone ran out of money. We hadn't been that way in a long time. And um, I prayed, and I remember talking to Rachel specifically. I said, Rachel... I know in the natural, this looks so bad. This looks so bad, I don't know what to do. Um, I said, but you know what? God's always come through for us, always. Even if it was at the last second, right at the end, <laughs> grasp it, hold it on. He's come through. And she agreed, and I said, honey, I don't know what. I just feel in my spirit, I gotta trust God, I gotta trust God. And you know, I don't listen to anything on my radio, but Z88.3, worship music. That's me. I'm not saying it's to you. It has to be. That's me. Okay? If I'm in my car, I'm worshiping. And I don't sometimes know how I got from one place to the next because I just get caught up in it. And um, that's, I mean, sometimes I get home and I'll sit for 10 minutes sitting and worshiping in the car. But, so, I was worshiping God and I had gone to the bank and I thought, okay, I've got to ask this certain person for a loan. I've got to ask this certain person for a loan. I hate to do it, but I've got to, and I did. So the person wrote me out a $25,000 check, okay? They said, oh, we need to write a paper that this is a loan in case the IRS tries to look at my records and see where this money went, you know, uh, because if, you know, whatever, just to back it up. So this person gives me this check, and I'm going to the bank, and I'm thanking God, like, oh, relief, you know. We got, we got, the pressure valve is off now. We can finish this house, because it was very expensive to redo that house. He, my husband, gutted that house from every inch of it. And uh, so I get the check, and about 20 minutes later, the phone rings, because I had been out with this person for lunch. Uh, the phone rings. And they say, it's not a loan, it's a gift. I'm putting the check in the slot at the bank. What? It's not a loan, it's a gift. Once again, God answered. And it was in the dark time, and it was in a time that felt like nothing could change. But that's where faith is because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The miracles come when faith believes. None of this faith walk makes a whole bunch of sense. If you'd heard my testimony, you'd know that. So, we've got to renew our minds when we get caught up in praise. Shut off the world, your job, your troubles, maybe even sometimes your own family. Sorry, it's true. I have locked myself in a room and turned up the praise music so loud that it would practically break your eardrums. 
because of the vessel. My vessel was full of yuck. And God, mm, 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 get that out of there. Praise, praise, praise. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And if you're in a place where you're <coughs> worshiping on headphones or in a room, you know what? Your mind can't hardly go to the bad stuff. You cannot stay on that if you truly get caught up in the praise. God wants to rebuild the walls of our lives. He really does. And he wants joy and praise. Uh, Nehemiah 8.10. Nehemiah had rebuilt the walls and, and the people had sinned against God. And he was trying to encourage them to keep going. He, that God was giving them a new beginning. So he said, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready this day for holy to your this day is holy this day is holy to our lord and do not be grieved for the joy of the lord is your strength oh my goodness do you know what we can be down to nothing i was thinking manny and wilma can testify this couple months ago when they were doing this financial class I don't know if you remember, one night I came in, I could barely walk. That I'm standing here right now, today is miraculous. Three months ago, I got a birthday next year. I'm going to be 60, but three months ago, I didn't think I was going to make it. That is the truth. As God is my witness, I could not even walk from here to there and barely breathe. And when we, Manny and Wilma asked me to call and we did that three-way call to Mexico and I heard that little girl Mexico was healed of cancer. You know, I could have dropped dead. In these last two years, with my condition in my heart only pumping at 30, 40% maybe at the best for a while, I could have dropped dead at any minute. That's just the truth. I could have physically but God showed me every day we have he counts every day we have he gives us a purpose and uh, I just say praise your way through it I mean that word that came that that little girl was okay was the best thing that I heard all year at least all year I was I just rejoiced and because I got to be a little bit of a part of that it just it shows you. You know, sometimes you're praising God on your back. You know, three and a half years ago, I spent six months. I broke my leg in half. A lot of you don't know that. Broke my leg in half. Couldn't even walk. Was in a wheelchair to walk or for six months trying. That's why I have trouble getting up a step. I got a metal plate to put my leg back together. But in all that, all that, praise your way through. Praise your way through. And so, uh, anyway... Dave, come and raise a hallelujah, honey, because, uh, oh, sorry, well, he's my son. <laughs> you know, I, I can never, ever thank God for all he's done for me, and I can't thank him for the times he's come through in, in my, on my deathbed. A couple times I feel like I've been on my deathbed and the God, God's come through, and it's like the devil's never been able to completely steal my praise. And that's the key to the victory. Amen? Amen. I thank the Lord I stood the whole time. <laughs> I wasn't I, expecting that. I thought I'd have to sit down.
thing I was most excited for, first of all, it, she is a walking testimony, and she said earlier that you know she felt like she was on assignment from the Lord, right? And that assignment has not ended, I believe. And I think this entire congregation would testify to that, right? There is so much prayer and testimony, literally a walking testimony. So praise God. This is a, a strange uh, start of things falling and microphones and whatnot, but we're going to get into the word here. I do need to share a word with you. And actually on Thursday, I had a, a totally different word, and I felt the Spirit of the Lord just give me something else. So, um, so I'm going to share that with you, and we do have the picnic, I understand. We're not going to be here too much longer, but if you could please give me these next few moments, because I believe you're going you're gonna to take something from this, and I just want us to take a hold of this and grasp this. Uh, last week we talked about the healing power of our praise, that if we make our praise a habit, we will see restoration and healing power of God in our body, mind, and spirit. And there were three, uh, I told you guys we're going to have about 12 total subpoints, and I had three last week. Praise invites his presence, praise brings us to a place of humility, and praise refreshes our spirit and renews us in his presence. So... This week we're talking about the joy in our praise. And we can also, I can also say that this is the power of confidence in God and through our praise. And so we're going to continue on with those few points. And so I'm going to start at number four. It says, praise leaves no room for complaining and despair. Sometimes even within our praise, we tend to get caught up in complaining and, and giving God all of our problems. And I, I'm not condoning bringing up our requests to God because God is God. He can, handle, he can handle everything that you're trying to throw at him. But God knows our hearts, okay? If, if, all we do to, if all we seek in our time of prayer is to lay out why life is so hard, God, my, my life is miserable, so we're spending this time uh, blaming all these things on God and, and instead of get going to him in prayer and, and thanking him for what he's already done. He cares about all that concerns us, folks. Through praise, we're focused on him, yes. right? So we're reminded of what he's already done in our lives and what he's going to do when we praise. And we're reminded that he knows what concerns us and is capable of taking care of that burden. He is capable of it through our praise. That's a part of why we praise, because he's a great big God who we don't have to limit. We don't have to put him in a box. We can expect great and mighty things in, our, in the word of our testimony. Amen. So a complaining heart, I believe, minimizes God's power, minimizes God's grace. When you focus on the trivial and these temporary problems, it keeps you short-sighted. You're only focused on what's in front of you. When Moses was leading the Israelites out of Egypt, God performed miraculous signs for his people. And on that journey to the promised land, God sends manna from heaven. He sends quail from the, from the sea. And it's, it's to sustain and, and provide strength for the people. But instead of looking back and, and seeing the signs and wonders and seeing what God has performed for them over and over, this greatness leading them out of slavery, out of captivity, they started itching for more and got stuck on the rumbling in their stomachs. Some of you right now are like, when is this picnic? Is it right after service? <laughs> I'm hungry. I'm just going to be honest with you. My stomach is growling right now. <laughs> Turn with me, if you would, to Numbers chapter 11. 
chapter 11, verse 1. This air conditioner is blowing my scripture away. It says, Now when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and when Moses praised, prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place Taborah, because the fire of the Lord had burned among them. Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. It was really good from before in captivity. What? But now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. See, God had already provided their needs by sending manna from heaven. And God gave a promise. He promised them this land of Canaan full of milk and honey bursting with provision. When God gives you a promise to be in a land of milk and honey, sometimes you have to go through a wilderness to get it. And oftentimes, God's, God gives us a word, or we see a promise in the word, and we get stuck on our small problems that we face, big or small. But every problem is a small problem before God, because He's a great big God. So if we reflect on how bad we've got it, now we need to reflect on how, how good God is. Verse 4 says, Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. And then they said, Who will give us meat? We remember all these great things that we had before. Really? Fish? Like you're, you're happy because you have fish, but you're okay with trading your, your freedom for fish? God is offering you to be free and free indeed in this land. You just got to go through something to get there. That's how a lot of us are in life. You got to go through a little bit of wilderness to get there, but God still gave you a promise and he's going to see you through it. Amen. And so I'm not saying that you're going to go through 40 years of wilderness but it might happen. <laughs> it might happen. One thing I learned about the Word of God, sometimes God doesn't work within one day. That's how we like it. We're in this instantaneous world right now. We like things right away. You can order an Uber right now, an Uber Eats, and get McDonald's in 15 minutes. Who wants that, right? But sometimes I think what's holding back your breakthrough is, is, is speaking too much death over your life and not proclaiming the blood of Jesus. And so I, I, I want to save that a little bit for next week. That's, that's the word that I'm really, really pumped up about. Because I believe God gave, it has an assignment for this congregation to realize the warfare in your praise. Uh, but going back to finding joy in our praise, I believe God allows conflict so that we see the glory in his blessing. So I believe conflict breeds testimony, right? Conflict. Your testimony came out of your conflict. Todd, my mom. Conflict breeds perseverance. Conflict breeds thankfulness. When God provides a promise, there might be a wilderness, but he will sustain you, and he will see you through if you keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on the prize. Having a heart of praise strengthens you and pushes you onward to that promised land that God has declared for you. Proverbs 10, 28, The hope of the righteous will be gladness. But the expectation of the wicked will perish. You are the righteousness of God. You always have something to look forward to. Amen? 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 Right. Come on. Yes. 
Point number five, praise gets our focus off of ourselves and back on God. These, these points all kind of line up close to each other, but there's a little bit of difference in here. Praise gets our focus off of ourselves and back on God. We live in this, this selfie-focused world, and I feel like we need this constant reminder today. Life is not all about us. <laughs> is that okay? It's not all about you. It's not all about me. It's about him. And so we may know that in our heads, but yet our hearts so often think differently. We get a little caught up in this, this world that's oh, so focused on me, and we're prone to this selfishness. He desires our eyes to be firmly set on him, because that's where our true hope is found. He's worthy of our praise, no matter what we face from day to day. But many of us are stuck in this selfie mode. In our prayer time. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Selfie mode? Someone, at least you know, like you get your phone. Here's, let me relate it to you this, okay? You know sometimes when you get your phone out, you, you go, you want to take a picture, you, it's like a really great moment, and you need to capture that, that, that photo, right? And you throw your phone up. I wish I would have put this on the screen or something. Now I'm just thinking about this. You put your phone up, and it's on you. And you got a booger in your nose. Something in your teeth. You got the triple chin thing going on. Cause, <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. It's not just me, right? Goodness. And you, you cannot hit that little reverse button quick enough, right? You're like, oh my gosh, get that off of my screen right now. I don't know. I don't want to see that. <laughs> Maybe it's just because of me. You can't hit that little thing fast enough. I, I think we need to treat our prayer life a lot like that. We're stuck looking backwards looking at the ugly, looking at the things that we don't want to see, and instead looking ahead to the beautiful image that we want to see. We get stuck. God, I choose to see the beautiful works of your hand in front of me, not look at this triple neck thing going on right now, what I, what I see that's back there. Looking forward, looking toward the promise, looking tr- and, and dwelling on the, the outlook, the, the promises of God rather than dwelling on your current outlook. Yes. Amen. Amen. So rather than having a session with God and laying out all of our complaints and our problems, focus on the beauty of His grace and thank Him for His goodness. Psalm 150 verse 2 says, Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. That's really easy to remember. Point number six, praise creates an environment of confidence. When you're focusing on the high praises of God, you won't be focusing on the low pits of life. I'm going to turn to Habakkuk, chapter 3. It's a small one there, right after. So you're in the middle of all the prophets, right before Zephaniah. It's hard to find sometimes. There we go. Chapter 3, verse 17. I love this, and I hope you get as excited for this as I do. And I'm going to explain it if you don't understand it. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines. How many of you feel like that sometimes? You feel like your tree is just withered. Nothing's coming out of your life. No fruit. Just feel dried up. Feel like a bunch of lifeless stuff. And no blossoms. No, none of this living water is pouring out of you. So though the labor of the olive tree may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold 
and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high hills. I think a lot of people in here could sympathize with that feeling, right? Feel like, like I said before, you feel like just nothing's, nothing is coming out of you that's life. It feels like everything is failing. I feel like I failed in everything. I could sympathize with that. And it feels like oftentimes the things that we hoped would work a certain way did not work that way. Let me share something with you. Verse 18. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Verse 19. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. When a, when a deer is climbing a mountain... A deer doesn't look down and say, well, gosh, I'm climbing a mountain. That deer has the same confidence climbing a mountain as he does strolling down a valley. Because its feet are designed for the climb. God has enabled you for the climb. Praise is going to propel you. Living in despair is going to knock you down. Continuing on verse 19. And he will make me walk on my high hills. The success of an army often relied on their geographical position. You heard the term, get the high ground, the high ground. That is a, 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 a tactic and that is an advantage. So the army who had the high ground pretty much had the victory. It's pretty much guaranteed. God places you on a high hill with your praise. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. When you rejoice in the Lord... He puts you on a high hill. When you joy in his salvation, he gives you deer's feet so you can climb up that mountain. And he will propel you in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen to that this morning? Hallelujah. Many are they that rise up against me. When you focus on the strength that comes in Jesus, you have confidence to face any enemy folks. Therefore, you open yourself up to replacing complaint with thankfulness. Envy for content, sorrow for joy. The habit of your praise breeds confidence. And out of that confidence, I believe, that is there, there is joy that breeds. Out of your confidence. When you're confident in the word of God, you're confident in the promises of God, you can't help but just feel joy because you know that God's got you. Amen, Amen to that. Amen. And so wouldn't you rather have a heart of joy rather than a, a heart of complaint, a sorrowful heart? How do you get that? How do you attain that? Praise. <laughs> praise. Praise anyways. Praise in the storm. Joy and praise are often synonymous in the word. You see it very often in, in the various songs and song. And so that's why praise needs to become our habit today. If you want more joy, make praise your habit. <laughs> it's pretty simple in a lot of ways. Sometimes we make things too complicated in the word, in church. It's not that complicated. Just trust in the promises and praise God anyways. Yeah, you might be going through a storm, but if you focus on the strength that you have through the word, through the blood of Jesus, he will propel you through in the name of Jesus. Amen. My last scripture, my last passage is Psalm chapter 100. You said this earlier. I think you were trying to preach for me. Oh, that's, uh, 
Amen. Psalm 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. For we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures through all generations. Amen. There's a translation. I really wanted to share this. This is, I just love this. It's the, the Passion Translation. I've never, I haven't read too much out of there, but it says it like this. You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his name. Praise is the password to enter into the Holy of Holies. Amen to that. Hallelujah. Anybody play some video games? Video games? Praise is your cheat code to unlock the miraculous over your life. Hallelujah. Praise is the key that unlocks your joy. And I believe that firmly. I, I so hold on to that. What are the moments? Yesterday, I was grumpy. <laughs> you didn't even see. I don't know. I was grumpy. I was tired and I was grumpy. And you know, when I think about that, where was my praise? Where was my thought? Where was my mindset? It was on myself. It was on myself and not on my praise to God. Hallelujah. The more you're focusing on yourself or your despair, the more you're taking your eyes off the prize. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Even in the darkness, hopelessness, and hunger, he is leading you and me. He is building us up. And in that confidence of his word, you will find fullness of joy. Amen. So Jesus gives us life and life more abundantly. Set your eyes to thanks and praise. Even in the season that you're in, set your eyes to thanks and praise to God and make it a habit and allow the joy of the Lord to be your strength. Let's stand up for just a few more minutes. I invite you today. Let's just praise the Lord just for a few more minutes in this song. This is the joy of the Lord. Make this your proclamation this morning. Hallelujah.